You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 192 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. Now doing these episodes is very hard fucking work. You guys only hear the end result of a lot of labor. I'm not complaining, it's a labor of love. But I mean, I'm doing these podcasts in my spare time. It's not like I'm mining for coltan in the Congo. So, uh, it's not that bad. Still, sometimes doing these episodes brings out a few drops of sweat. One way to support my efforts is to sign up over at patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. For a couple of bucks a month, you'll get access to these episodes in advance, as well as access to a bunch of other material that I produce over there. To make it easy for you, I've uh, started posting a link in the program notes of the episodes. I will also release a very special thing in eight episodes from now, uh, when episode 200 comes out. Something I hope you all would want to get for yourself. It's a product. Yes, it's a shiny magical product that I hope you want to get. And if you get it, That's another way to support the podcast. But I am going to tell you all more about this later on. Not later on in this episode, but in a later on in time, so to speak. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for the special offer that will happen when I release episode 200. Another thing you can do is rate and review this podcast on iTunes. That also helps a lot, as well as share and spread it in social media. Now for the topic of the week. A very important topic. Something I have briefly mentioned before, and something I will keep talking about on occasion. However, this topic deserves its own episode. And I'm talking about conflict minerals. Amongst them is coltan and the goings-on in Congo. Let's start with this. I want to give you this final thing. I'm done. Uh, But how many people here have cell phones? If you got your cell phone, raise your cell phone. Get your cell phone, pull it out, pull out, raise it. I want to see everybody got a cell phone. Throw your cell phone up in the air. Wave it like you just don't care. Got your cell phone. Look at all these cell phones up in here. Oh, who y'all calling in the choir? That's what I want to... Jesus is on the main line. Got your cell phone. The cell phones that we had 
In order for those cell phones to be produced, most of the cell phones that we have, you need a mineral called coltan. A mineral called coltan. Much of this mineral comes from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The Congo was at one time uh, was a Belgium colony. In 1960, they declared their independence, and a gentleman by the name of Patrice Lumumba became prime minister. Patrice Lumumba went to Ghana and sat at the feet of the father of Pan-Africanism named Kwame Nkrumah. Kwame Nkrumah, is the sc our school down the street, is named after the father of Pan-Africanism. And when he realized, sitting down with Kwame Nkrumah, he could go back to the Congo, and the Congo could grow and develop. Uh, but because there was so much money at stake, because the majority, one of the richest countries on the planet is the Congo. The Belgium and the U.S. government, it was Dwight Eisenhower, got with the National Security uh, Office, and they said that this man needs to be eliminated, and they passed information to the rebel forces in the Congo, and they found Patrice Lumumba, and they assassinated him. And then a gentleman by the name of Babutu became, became to power. And the U.S. gave him over $300 million to oppress his own people to make sure gold and silver and coltan would continue to flow to Europe and the United States and Australia. And then in 1997, when Mobutu died of cancer, uh, there was another person who came to power by the name of Kabila. And Kabila then eventually died, but a civil war ensued. And in order to finance the civil war, because cell phones were exploding at that time, they would mine coltan. Didn't seem like much, but in order to, this cell phone you have, this cell phone I have, it has coltan in it. In order to get that coltan, they would kidnap children to mine the coltan in the Congo. In the last 10 years or so, 5.4 million children have been murdered in the Congo. 5.4 million people, I'm sorry, have been murdered in the Congo. Over 50, almost 50% of them, children that every time you purchase your cell phone, you finance the oppression of a child of a country. In World War II, 400,000 people died. In the Civil War, 500,000 people. 5.4 million people. Larger than any other conflict, any other war since World War II, more people have died in the Congo than any other conflict in the last 40 years combined. But no one has heard a thing. Because it's happening in Africa, in the Congo, and there's so much money at stake. Here's something that is a novel idea. Turn off your cell phone. I mean off, no, not on vibrate. Turn it off and put on your voicemail why you have turned it off. Why you have turned it off to educate people about coltan. We're calling this Don't Be a Sellout campaign. C-E-L-L. -L. Don't be a sellout 
to finance the oppression of our own people. You're not going to see this on CNN. They will not broadcast it on MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, and Lord knows Fox ain't going to say a word. 5.4 million children, children who are 8, 9, and 10 years of age who are, using, are being used to mine with their bare hands so you can text and play Angry Birds. And here's what you can do. Do not upgrade your cell phone. Do not upgrade, because what do you, you want to get a new feature that you don't use anyway. So you can just say you got the new phone, but remember now, Every time you purchase, because they're used in new, new cell phones, I'm not talking about the landline phones you have at your house, the cell phones, you are promoting the death of children in the Congo. Just by buying a cell phone. The cell phone you have, can it make a call? Then that's what it's for, right? Amen. You got all this other stuff. You're trying to videotape. Get, get, get a video recorder if you want that. You buy that. But simply do not upgrade your cell phone so that we can begin to pressure companies to let them know that we cannot stand for this kind of activity. Choose life. Choose life. Don't be a quasi-liberationist. What's a quasi-liberationist? You want to hear somebody talk about liberation, but you don't want to live liberation. Galaxy Note 8, Samsung is definitely going to want to continue that momentum with the Note 9, the professional-focused tablet phone. Now, what can we expect from this year's version? So, much like the Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus, the updates will be very different. Has saturation. Samsung is the first to announce their new wireless earbuds. The Gear Icon X doesn't attach to your phone or each other and comes in a carrying case that charges them. The earbuds cost $199 and will go on sale. The iPhone 11, I really don't know where the naming scheme is going to go, but there will be a new iPhone 10 and alongside it a larger iPhone 10 Plus. So this one was rumored to happen in 2017, but Apple delayed it as the production issues just for the basic iPhone 10 model were crazy. Anyways, this essentially will be a larger iPhone 10 with a 6.5 inch display instead of the current 5.7 inch.
That was Pastor Moss from a sermon recorded maybe 10 years ago, not sure when. So some of the figures uh, that Pastor Moss mentions are these days out of date. But uh, the figures have not improved, they are worse. And of course the historical perspective Pastor Moss provides is spot on. And certainly not out of date. I think Pastor Moss provides a very good introduction to the issues in the Congo. The casualty figures he mentioned are Americans killed in the Second World War. So he is speaking from an American's perspective, I think. Uh, so I think uh, because of this, I will provide a worldwide perspective. Because not everybody is an American. First of all, to call this country the Democratic Republic of the Congo, to call it democratic or republic is a fucking joke. That so-called country is neither a republic nor a democracy or democratic. Now ask yourself this, do you know any of these cities I'm about to mention? Have you ever been to one or lived there maybe? Or are you aware of their existence? Oakland or Atlanta in the United States? Bristol or Sheffield in England? Bratislava in Slovakia? Auckland in New Zealand? Yokosuka in Japan, Edinburgh in Scotland, Lyon in France, Liverpool, Cleveland, Danang, Gothenburg, Long Beach, Dresden, Den Haag. Have you ever been in any of these cities? What do they all have in common? Well, they all have about 400,000 inhabitants. 400,000 people live in those cities. 400,000, that is exactly how many women that are raped every year in Congo. So basically the whole of Liverpool is raped every year. Or the whole of Long Beach. Or the whole of Dresden. Or Bratislava. That basically means that one woman is raped in the Congo every half hour. So by the time this episode is finished, about two women have been raped. Now that is a lot of rapes. And these rapes happen not because the men in Congo are evil. Rape, like most things, are nasty and evil and is a byproduct of something else. Poverty, war, anger, hate, depression. Because rape is not about sex. Rape is never about sex. This episode is not going to talk about rape. I'm just trying to paint the picture of the horrible situation women in the Congo face every day. Six million Jews murdered in Hitler's camps. It's a well-known figure. It is not exact. The most respectable and acceptable figure is actually the phrase up to 6 million. Up to 6 million. Which basically means it's probably more than 5.5 million. Because it's up to 6 million. 
And maybe it was 6 million. Up to 6 million people in the Congo has basically been murdered since the 90s. A cynical cunt would say that Congo is not as efficient as Hitler, who did it in a few years. He killed um, up to 6 million Jews in a few years, but the Congo, well, it, they've been trying to reach the same number since the 90s. Think about this. We hear about those 6 million Jews murdered every week. Still, to this day, no one, no one forgets. We are reminded of the fact that up to 6 million Jews were murdered in the 1940s. Every, everybody knows this. But most people in the world, they have no idea that up to 6 million people in the Congo have been murdered. And they have not been murdered because of some race ideology, not because of some dictator, but because we need to be able to play Super Mario Brothers, or we need to be able to text a nice piece of ass, or we need to buy a used couch, or we need to jerk off to some lesbian porn. Up to six million. I want to play a 10 minute talk called The Price of Modern Technology Capturing Conflict Mineral Trade in Democratic Republic of Congo by Marcus Blisdale. Please note that the figure I have been saying up to 6 million is a bit lower in his talk because it's a couple of years old but I have done some research and currently it's up, it's up to 6 million. The number is increasing every year. Now Marcus is a documentary photographer who uses his work to influence policymakers around the world. His work appears in Natural Geographic, The New Yorker, Time magazine and his work on human rights and conflict has been shown at the US Senate, the United Nations and the House of Parliament in the UK. In this eye-opening talk or ear-opening talk, I could say, Marcus and his photographs that he shows bear witness to the conflict in the Democratic Republic of Congo that is fueled by conflict minerals to be used in everyday electronic devices. Now, this is a podcast, so you won't see these images that he's talking about, but you don't need to in order to understand the important information that Marcus is sharing in this talk. So I would say listen carefully. This talk was performed at a TEDx event. We have right now one of the most exciting times in terms of communication that our world has ever seen. We have incredible technology, we have incredible instruments, an ability to address and to inform and to learn through technology. We have our smartphones, our tablets, we have our laptops, we have our computers, we have cameras that share all of this around the world within seconds. This ability to communicate is extraordinary. But there's a Faustian bargain at play here because all of these instruments that allow you to do what you do, all of these instruments that allow me to create and 
continue my work come with a price. And that price is being paid by the people of the Democratic Republic of Congo. In eastern regions of the Democratic Republic of Congo, there's a conflict going on to access the natural resources that we use every day, that we use in our smartphones, that we use in our tablets, that we use in our cameras, that we use in our cars. And this is a significant problem that we need to solve together. There are young boys like this one, 15 years old. When I took this photograph last May, he was guarding an illegal gold mine in a town called Bavi for a warlord called Cobra Matata. Cobra Matata had about 60 child soldiers guarding him and the mines around him. And the whole population of Bavi lived in fear of this occupation of this warlord. He wasn't the only one. This young boy is 11. He fights for a, a group called the Mai Mai. Mai in Swahili is water. And the Mai Mai believe that bullets will drop off them like water when they go to battle. This young girl is fighting for the same group. She was abducted in 2008 by the group and was forced to fight to access the mines that contained tin, which we use as solder in our electronic products. Tungsten, it makes our phones vibrate and tantalum, which we use to make our batteries store energy. All of these products we find in DRC, and there are people like this girl that are guarding and fighting to get access to those mines so that we can use the electronic products that we use every day. When the fighting stops, the young children that had been forced to fight to gain access to the mines are then forced to work inside the mines, extracting the natural resources that will then be put together and illegally exported out of the country. And this young boy, he's 14 years old, working in a gold mine in Pluto in northeastern Congo. The gold from this mine will be smuggled to Uganda and it will end up on the international exchanges, being traded on the international exchanges and being bought by us. They're forced to work in these mines 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They live there, they eat there, they sleep there. There is nowhere for them to go. Many of them have lost their parents through the conflict. Many of them have lost their families through displacement, and their only family really are these other soldiers that surround them and other, the other miners that are working in these mines. Unfortunately, these mines are treacherous. There are many tunnels that collapse. There are many landslides due to heavy rains, and these landslides kill hundreds every year. And the conditions that these people are working in so that we can use the natural resources from these areas are devastating. In this particular mine, there's horrendous cholera outbreak, typhoid in the, in the village next door. Many of the people here are dying also of malaria. So how does it happen? How does it get from there, from that mine where we saw that 14-year-old, to us? It leaves eastern Congo and gets smuggled across the border to Uganda and Rwanda and Burundi. It's then shipped to the east coast of Africa and gets put on transport vessels. Those transport vessels then take it to smelting companies in mostly Asia. There, these natural resources are then processed. They're processed into the raw materials that we use in our electronic products. They then end up in computers, they end up in tablets, and they get shipped to us, and we buy them. The impact of this devastating conflict that has killed over five and a half million people in 10 years is the huge displacement of population. Two million people are currently displaced in Eastern Congo. When the fighting comes to the towns that they live in, 
the towns that are surrounded by the mines, the fighting continues and the people flee. They flee with whatever they can carry on their heads. They flee with whatever they can give their children to carry and the whole family disappears, sometimes walking many hundreds of kilometers to safety. When they get to safety, they try to find accommodation and build homes to shelter their family from the harsh sun and from the horrific rains. Thousands and thousands of people come to these camps and as they grow, the conditions, the sanitary conditions, the health conditions deteriorate massively. And around rainy season, when the rains create a mixture between the feces that are created in a place like this and the drinking water, cholera becomes uncontrollable and hundreds not thousands are dying in each of these camps. The young mothers often have to flee on their own. They have to flee with their children because their husbands have either been killed in the conflict by the military or they are actually military themselves and they're fighting in the conflict. And so they take the responsibility for the families and they take the responsibility for caring for their families, which means that they have to find firewood to cook, they have to find water to drink and cook with, and it's at this time that they become the most vulnerable and the most deadly weapon in this war is used, which is sexual violence. 40,000 women are raped every year in Eastern Congo. A survey has just been completed where it concluded that 40% of all women in Eastern Congo will experience sexual violence at some point in their life. This image I took in a sexual violence clinic in Goma in Eastern Congo last January. And you'll see on the top right-hand side some statistics they total up to 540 admissions so far into this program on this year. I took this picture on the 28th of January, 2013. Those 540 admissions had been coming into this one center in one town in Eastern Congo. And there are hundreds of centers in every town in Eastern Congo. So you can see the impact that it has on the young mothers. This young girl in the picture is 13 years old. She was raped by my, my soldiers. She became pregnant, luckily managed to escape, and is now living in this center with her young child. I mentioned this figure of 5.5 million people that have died as a result of this conflict. Not many of them have died from the bullet or the gun. In fact, a very small percentage, maybe about 5% of that number have died from direct violence. The majority have died because of lack of access to medication lack of access to medication because of the overall insecurity in the region, that healthcare simply cannot be delivered to the point of need because there is too much insecurity going on in some of the towns and, and hospitals like this one back in Bavi have hundreds of people sitting there waiting for medication and waiting for help. When I arrived here, they didn't even have a paracetamol. That leads to horrific statistics, 116 Young children out of every thousand born in Eastern Congo die in childbirth. To put that in context, in the country I live in, in Norway, it's four. 196 children out of every thousand will not make it to the age of five in Eastern Congo. These statistics are horrific, but those are statistics. This is the reality. This is um, a funeral of a young six-month-old girl, Alexandrine, who died of cholera in a camp in Goma. And the worst time I've had was when I had to go to 19 of these funerals of young girls. It's devastating. But there is a solution. In 2010, 
in America. The Frank Dodd Bill was passed into law. That meant every American manufacturer of electronic products had to declare what sources they were using for their natural resources, where their natural resources were coming from. For every publicly listed company on the US Stock Exchange, these organizations had to announce where they were going to source their natural resources from, which led to a huge movement to push against this law, not to change the way they sourced minerals, but to push against the law, and they tried to get the law scrapped. Thankfully, there were one or two organizations that took their responsibility. Intel have recently announced that all of their processors will now be conflict mineral-free. Apple have just announced that they will now be producing all of their products with conflict mineral-free tin, the solder. But the processor is only a small part of an electronic product. And tin is only one natural resource that we use in our electronic products. So we have a long way to go. And the industry is not moving as quick as it should do. And so this conflict is continuing. And these mines are still being exploited. Of 200 smelting companies around the world that produce all the natural resources that we ever use in, in electronic products, only 45 of them are considered conflict-free. And so, seeing as the industry isn't moving quick enough, we have to push them as consumers. We have to make these people hear your voices every time you buy an iPhone, or every time you buy a tablet, every time you buy a smartphone, every time you buy a new camera. You work out whether these companies are doing the right thing. And you can go to, there's a website called raisehopeforcongo.org, and you can see the list of the electronics companies that you all use and buy products from, and you can see how well they are engaging in trying to change natural resource sourcing for their products. No one is saying, don't buy these products. I am probably the worst user of natural resources from conflict zones in this room. But what I'm trying to say is be aware and push for change. Make sure that you engage with these manufacturers, engage with these electronics companies. And you can also do that on this website, raisehopeforcongo.org, and you can email Hitachi, you can email Apple, you can email Intel, you can email Nikon and tell them that you are upset about the rate of change. I would like as a consumer to use only conflict mineral-free products, but right now there is no conflict mineral-free product in mass production, and that should change. ISIS, the biggest threat to freedom, human rights and democracy in the world, is responsible so far for the deaths of 33,000 people. This statistic is from 2015, so maybe it's a bit more now. Let's exaggerate and say ISIS is responsible for the death of 50,000 people since the turn of the century. It's a nice round number, and it's certainly not less but it's also certainly not more. 50,000 50, people since the year 2000. That's how many ISIS has killed. And that is eight people a day. Most likely one of those eight is the suicide bomber himself. Uh, anyway, think about that. Because since 1990, over 500 people has died from conflict minerals in the Congo. Every day. Every fucking day. On the news we only hear about the eight people ISIS kills. 
we never hear about the 500 people that is killed indirectly and directly by us watching the news about ISIS on our laptop, smartphone or TV. Could it get any more ironic? Children are mined to death in the Congo so children in Europe and North America can play video games. It is a damn tragedy. If the world was fair, the main news every day should be about Congo. ISIS should be a fucking footnote. If we compare. Every life killed is a tragedy. Not saying that it isn't. All I'm saying is that journalism these days is not exactly fair and balanced. Neither is politics. Name one politician that talks about this issue on the campaign trail. There isn't one. And if there is one, he or she is certainly not going to be elected. Alcohol kills more people than ISIS every day. But the tide is turning. And with this podcast episode, I'm doing my part. We cannot reject technology, but we can demand that it is made fairly. If Congo had the same human rights as, let's say, Germany or Canada, then it would be the Monaco of Africa. Congo would be the richest country in the world. They would be able to import white miners from the United States to dig this shit up for them. And those white miners would probably have a very nice salary. Now there is something you can do. I want to play a short thing here from the Enough Project and it has some information on what you can do. Listen carefully. There are four minerals used to power all our devices. Laptops, cell phones, cameras. Tungsten makes your phone vibrate. Tantalum stores electricity for its battery. Gold coats its wires. Tin solders the circuit board to hold everything together. But it's not just gadgets. These minerals are in everything from jewelry and eyeglasses to cars, planes, and medical equipment. They've also helped fuel the deadliest war since World War II. We call them conflict minerals. Their theft and sale has provided key funds to armed groups committing mass violence in Congo, looting and destroying communities, abducting children as soldiers and slaves, and using rape as a weapon of war. For decades, militias and the Congolese army have profited from these conflict minerals. But scrutiny from activists, investors, students, celebrities, and Congolese civil society has begun to turn the tide. A decade ago, activists began pressuring consumer electronics companies to examine their supply chains. In 2010, the United States passed Dodd-Frank 1502, a law requiring companies to publicly report on their mineral sources. Before it went into effect, UN experts had reported that almost every mining deposit in eastern Congo was controlled by a military group. Six years later, nearly 80% of tin, tungsten, and tantalum miners surveyed in eastern Congo did not face the threat of armed groups. And some of the same companies that had once said it was impossible are now sourcing verified conflict-free minerals from Congo. But it's not over. Monitoring and reporting on supply chains must continue, as must pressure on companies that can't yet verify the conflict-free origin of their minerals. We must support projects to create and improve livelihoods in Congolese mining communities, and put an end to conflict gold smuggling, which continues to fund armed groups. Hi, this is John Prendergast from the Enough Project. Companies won't take these steps until they hear from you, their consumers. Demand their attention. Demand 
that they be part of the solution. It'll take 20 seconds of your time to send a note to 20 of the largest companies in the world to tell them to source conflict-free minerals from the Congo in their products. And if you want to do more, we have lots of options. Please go to enoughproject.org slash demand the supply. Please go to enoughproject.org slash demand the supply. What are you going to do? Well, what do I do? What the fuck else am I going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Please go to enoughproject.org slash demand the supply. I hope this was informative, and I hope you inform everyone you know about this. Don't make it a guilt trip, because we are all consumers. We are all part of the problem. You cannot judge anyone for having a smartphone, even if you don't have one yourself. Because you own something, I'm certain. You own something that contains these minerals. We are all guilty. Most wedding rings are blood diamonds, you know? Instead, what we can do is realize that knowledge is power. Email, call, demand from these companies, politicians and shops that you want conflict-free minerals. Why do you think gay people have rights these days? Nobody's giving gay people rights. If gay people never said they wanted any rights, we would still be locking them up and shaming them publicly. So that's how the system works, you know. Nobody's going to treat the people in the Congo in a good way unless all the millions who buy these products are fine with the fact that they'll have to pay a bit more for them. But that just means that the people who mine some of the things you need to build those products have had a uh, decent life. So yeah, email, write, demand, inform all these companies what you want. Don't be a lazy cunt. Don't be a fucking dickhead. Because it costs you nothing. For you to just send an email, it costs nothing. If you go into that website, the Enough Project, you know, they already have the fucking email written for you. You just got to send it like 50 times. Just copy, paste, click, send, send, send. You know, you want to send it to as many companies as possible. And the next time you buy an iPhone or a smartphone, you just tell the people in the shop, I want to buy a phone that does not have any conflict minerals in it of course they won't be able to sell you such a phone and you can still buy the phone that's dirty but the fact that you show that you know is a step in the right direction because that's how change happens because when a shop starts to notice that damn there's a person every week who's asking about conflict minerals maybe we should provide conflict products that doesn't have conflict minerals in them because then we'll be ahead of the game. If it becomes fashionable to have technology that does not have conflict minerals, the companies will change. 
Because money talks and bullshit walks. So uh, never forget that we are in control. You just got to show these people that we are. It costs you nothing to send an email. But for the Congolese, for the people in the Congo, it would mean everything. Thank you. Whoa. Heavy, heavy stuff. But important. We can't joke around all the time. And now, let's change the subject. Because now it is time for another episode of our little mini-series called The Great Mindfuck with Alexandro. Which is basically myself and good friend and shaman and healer Andrew speaking about various topics that we consider mindfucks. This one is about knowing. Or I guess you could say it's about fucking. Okay, hi Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing good, uh, how are you? Mm, uh, it's getting a bit warmer outside, but still no signs of real summer. And even though summers can be tricky, but uh, but seasons, just like everything else, are just one big mindfuck, which is the topic of our uh, little corner here, a little show here. And today I would like to address the subject of knowing. Um, do you... Uh, do you read your Bible, Alex? Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, do you know the, the biblical uh, Hebrew meaning of knowing? No. Well, uh, it says, I think in one of the first books of the Bible, it says, and then Abraham knew Sarah. So basically, uh, in biblical Hebrew, knowing is the equivalent of fucking. It just doesn't say fuck in the Bible. It says Abraham knew his wife, okay? And knowing basically means fucking. It just didn't have a word for it, so they used knowing. So we take the word knowing, and and then we wonder, uh, we know the old axiom like know yourself. Could it actually mean fuck yourself? Maybe we got it all wrong. Maybe fuck yourself is not even a curse. Maybe it's a blessing. I mean, whenever, I mean, whenever... I say to someone, go fuck yourself, it's like a blessing. May you fuck yourself. May you close the circle. Maybe you may you penetrate the mysteries of yourself. Because knowing is a sort of penetration. Okay? So that's why we also call this the great mind fuck. Because it's all about fucking, 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 fucking. It's uh it's all extremely sexual. Uh the narratives they fuck each other all the time. Uh it's we're just in this huge orgy of of stories and narratives, and there's a lot of like penetrating and fucking and getting fucked. This is a perpetual tantric sexual experience and it's not doesn't have to involve like physical, literal sex. But but it's all like, you know, fucking all over the place. And I know I'm being a bit like uh, maybe offensive and rude, but let's call things by the name because 
if it says so in the Bible, then it must be true, right? And you know what I think about truths. But anyway, biblically speaking, knowing and fucking are pretty similar. And uh, we can go, we can fast forward to our present times and uh, in um, English American slang, uh, when you say like, uh, you want to do someone, what do you mean by that? Yeah, to have sex with them. Yeah, it also means fucking. So basically knowing and doing, if we combine the slang meanings between the biblical and the modern, knowing and doing basically both mean fucking. And then uh, we can go to the very popular Swedish band, uh, ABBA. You heard about him, I'm sure. Yeah. And they had this song, knowing me, knowing you, uh-huh. Uh, there is nothing we can't do, knowing me, knowing... So what are they really saying? They say, fucking me, fucking you. Uh -huh. There is nothing we can't fuck, fucking me, fucking you. So it's like, it all comes down when we study the occult meaning of those words or the slang meaning of their words. It comes down to fuck. And it's not necessarily a, a physical fuck. It's It's... A continuation of the perpetual mindfuck that we've been talking about, and and mind is about fucking. Mind is about penetrating. When we talk about penetrating the mysteries, penetrating is another nice word for fucking. So fucking implies an intimate knowing combined with doing, combined with penetrating, combined with just becoming an insider. If you see what I mean, you know. You can't become an insider if you don't penetrate, right? And also, to have sex, uh, the result is usually an offspring. So, physical or not physical, fucking is what happens before you create something. So, it's the source of all creation because when we, uh, whatever we do when we're fucking, physically or not, there's always an effect of that. Okay, and, and for me this effect is in many cases uh, initiatory because you cannot become an insider unless you have either, you know, uh, fucked the wall and penetrated it and penetration is a sexual act and uh, or, you know, you've been fucked with, uh, with knowledge. So you've, you, you either fucked or you have been fucked but nevertheless this, this act of fucking or getting fucked or penetrating the veil or penetrating uh, the mystery or being penetrated and, and fucked with the seed of knowledge being planted inside you, it's all very sexual in nature. And this is also one of many reasons that I'm referring to everything as one big mindfuck. Because it's when reduced to its most base nature, it's all about fucking, penetrating, uh, generating, engendering, uh, and the whole of reality, the whole of creation is basically based on on penetration, on fucking. So knowing is fucking, doing is fucking in slang. I'm gonna do that person. I'm gonna know that person. Biblically, it means fucking. In slang, it means fucking. Penetration is a, is a nice way to say fucking. Uh, initiation, like. Uh, Someone plants inside you the seed of knowledge. Now, what does it sound like? You've been fucked. <laughs> You've been fucked with knowledge. And the seed of knowledge has been planted inside you. So getting fucked is also an initiatory experience. Or if you do the fucking yourself and you penetrate the mystery, you pierce the veil. It's all a very penetrating action. 
so it's very sexual in nature and and maybe that's why uh sex has become such a, a big taboo like the very ag- sexual act like it's like something to be almost ashamed of uh but it's a powerful uh archetype and it's not limited to physical sex uh, for procreation only like ideally we should live our lives by in a, in a perpetual orgy of, of fucking get, getting fucked all the time or at least flirting i mean i know that wherever i go i'm flirting with everyone basically i'm you know it reminds me of this uh, very uh, great scene from devil's advocate with al pacino and keanu reeves and uh, at some point keanu reeves comes into this huge room and it's completely empty and and just just nothing there so keanu reeves is asking like this guy where does he eat where does he sleep where does he fuck and then al pacino comes in and says everywhere okay so the guys fucks everywhere and uh no matter if what we think of it or how we interpret it we are i mean if we're not like dead or completely zombified we are in a, per- we are in a perpetual state of intercourse if it's fucking if it's penetrating if it's understanding if it's mind fucking someone or ourselves, uh, if it's just fucking and flirting with with the cashier at the supermarket, or with the taxi driver, or with uh, the hotel manager, or whatever, and I make it a habit to just fuck with everyone in a very erotic tantric flirting way. It doesn't mean I'm having sex with everyone. Uh, actually, I'm real actual physical sex has become a minor extremely minor part of my life, but uh, I can still say that I have a very rich sex life because just like Al Pacino in the movie, I'm fucking everywhere. I'm not confined to a special setting, to a special bedroom or any particular kitchen table. Uh, My fucking playground is, you know, the world. So uh, I want to like demystify the the, the word fuck and to to make it, uh, so to speak, hermetically open. to pay some respect to the uh, initiative of the Ritman Library, uh, I want to make the topic of fucking hermetically open. Fucking is not a dirty word. Fucking is about penetrating. Fucking is about being initiated. Fucking is about piercing the veil to the side where the mysteries are. Fucking is about being made. Fucking is about being an insider. You have to get in to become an insider. So you need to fuck. Fucking is about being initiated by having the seed of knowledge planted in you. So yes, you've got fucked. Yes, you've been initiated. Check out Andro at hermeticvision.com I want to close this episode with a beautiful song by Udam. Udam participated as a contestant in the 2011 season of China's Got Talent. Performing in his native Mongolian language, he sang the song Mother in the Dream. Freedom is in the mind.